Q&A Holes Podcast presents The Sea Report with Mr. C for Friday, February 19th, 2021. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Sea Report with your host, Mr. C. That's me. And thanks for tuning in. Hope everyone had a great week as we start to head into the weekend. We'll see if the weather start to warm up a little, if we're going to get a more cold. Um, I was out earlier today and it was a, a nice and beautiful sunny day. However, be careful because in the shade, ice sheets still happen. I was uh, able to keep myself from you know, wiping out a couple of times on my walk this morning, but, um, it it was otherwise a beautiful day. So we'll see how the weekend treats us. But, um, with that said, let's just get into the news. Trump leads here at the sea report. Um, we see, uh, it was a couple of days. Oh, actually Trump has been, has been releasing statements and uh, having interviews the last few days. Um, it looks like he was also, um, planning to, possibly get back on social media we have this uh, article here from just the news former president trump discusses plans to get back on social media he might uh use an existing platform or he might start up a new one now we did hear that he possibly opened up an account on gab and isn't that amazing like i don't think i've ever known any president per se let alone any celebrity that people are just hunting to hear information from or just striving uh, uh, to hear what he's thinking or what he has to say. But former President Donald Trump, President Trump in my book, um, he has uh, he's been severely missed from the social <laughs> from the social um, social media networks. And I would say even the naysayers, even especially, especially the legacy fake news media misses him. I think they're hurting without him for something to talk about. I almost thought that I would have nothing to talk about with uh, President Trump no longer optically being the president of the United States of America. But uh, there's too much stuff going on behind the scenes. We need to keep a record of some of this stuff. So we're doing it. But uh, getting back to this article, um, <clears throat> President Trump discussing plans to get back on social media. It says former President Donald Trump said on Thursday that he is considering either joining a new social media platform or perhaps creating his own. He was suspended from Twitter, Facebook and YouTube last month. Quick interjection, I do believe uh, Facebook and Twitter moved to permanently ban Trump from social media. Back to the article. Trump made the comments during an interview on Newsmax TV's Greg Kelly reports. We're negotiating with a number of people, and there's also the other option of building your own site. Because we have more people than anybody. I mean, you can literally build your own site, Trump said. Trump added that if you look at what's going on with Twitter, I understand it's become very boring and millions of people are leaving. They're leaving it because it's not the same. And I can understand that Trump had one of the largest followings of anyone on Twitter for his account was permanently deleted. Trump also criticized President Joe Biden for his dumb statement at a CNN town hall on Tuesday. Biden had suggested that there was no vaccine before they came into office. 
I saw that he said that there was no vaccine when he came into office, and yet he got a shot before he came into office, Trump told Greg Kelly. It was already in early November when we announced it, but we actually had it substantially before that. We're giving millions of shots and millions of doses, so he's either not telling a truth or he's mentally gone, one or the other. God bless Trump. Yeah, I do remember hearing Biden say that, um, that there was no vaccine prior to him getting into office. And then what Kamala Harris saying that there was never any plan, even though um, Trump talked ad nauseum about Operation Warp Speed and the military's role in it and how all of the pharmaceutical companies were striving to make this uh, vaccine ahead of schedule. So yeah, that that does uh, lend something to it. If uh, discerning and um, mindful Americans can remember that Trump did have a vaccine out prior to the election, they might actually see that, you know, the facade of Joe Biden is a little bit more cracked than they would have thought it was when um, they said that Trump criticized Joe Biden for a dumb statement. I swear, I thought it was going to be the one that said, you know me, I like kids more than people. Yep, Joe Biden said that again. You'd think he would have figured out by now that there's something going on with him and children that the public sees. And uh, why would he say something like, everybody knows I like kids more than people? Mm, Been sniffing um, a bit too much young heads of hair there, Mr. Biden. I think you might want to rethink your strategy on that. But, you know, it just goes to show um, that the... uh, the love that the country had for the things that Trump did for the United States of America is very substantial. It is quite substantial. Um, and uh, we will continue to see that regardless of um, the improvements, regardless of how he was making this country better, uh, political opponents on any side of the aisle will always oppose him because he had an America first objective for this country and that is an objective that many of our politicians sold out to a long time ago to other countries other businesses other financiers other people in the world that are not american but yes they will keep on trying to do this um we have another article here um that that uh, kind of uh, exemplifies that so the democrat party and really i'm just gonna say anyone opposing him because even republicans stand in the same crowd uh because trump was truly an anomaly in the um in the house of washington dc um now they're trying to introduce a bill that will keep president trump from having any monuments created in his honor having any federal buildings renamed after him (laughs) and this is the one that takes the cake they're trying to prevent him from being buried at arlington national cemetery um so this article came from the right scoop it says 14 house democrats have now introduced a bill to prevent federal funds from being used to commemorate president trump in any way possible and to prevent him from being buried in arlington national cemetery the bill itself doesn't reference trump's name specifically but pertains to any president that has been twice impeached by the house of representatives no doubt it's about trump the bill was initially put forth by linda sanchez 
but also has 13 co-sponsors. Ah, so this Linda Sanchez. We're going to have to look into Linda Sanchez, y'all, because Linda's name will come up later in the C-Report today. Um, but so here you see... Now, this is ridiculous. How many presidents in the history of the United States of America have been twice impeached? Hmm. Let me think about this. Oh, I think the only one would happen to be President Donald Trump. Uh, what if uh, there was a clause that said uh, twice impeached, but not if they were acquitted both times? <sighs> Because he was acquitted both times of impeachment. You could see if they put that clause in there, then it wouldn't count for Donald Trump. But of course they didn't. The bill is H.R. 484. Um, and that is uh, a bill to prohibit the use of federal funds for the commemoration of certain former presidents and other purposes. So in the first section, the anti-Trump bill bans President Trump from being commemorated by any symbol, monument, or statue on any and all federal lands, and it prohibits the naming, renaming of any federal buildings um, or lands after him. The second section blocks the granting of any federal funds to an entity that wants to honor Trump in any way of the, in any of the ways prohibited above, and it also would strip Trump from receiving any benefit other than the secret service that he would normally be granted by the former president's act of 1958 and lastly the bill would ban, ban trump from ever being buried and buried in arlington national cemetery um so again here you see instead of the current reigning optically speaking political party in the white house um Taking care of business, taking care of, you know, half the United States of America, which is has been lost in snow and also out of power. Rather than doing that, rather than taking care of the um, pandemic COVID-19, the vaccines, uh, you know, getting more funding to people, anything, any of the blanket uh, any of the blanket uh, problems that these Democrats could be taking care of, anything that they, they would rather spend time legislating on President Trump and ways to make sure that the history of the United States of America do not remember him, or if they do remember him, they look down unfairly or poorly at him in the future. So it's just ridiculous. Um, I hope that these actions and the actions that they've taken since January 20th only shows the American people exactly how backwards and how um, devious and uncaring these lawmakers and legislators are about the American people. But I also hope that they will show audiences how correct Donald Trump was in many of the things that he said in regards to their policy and even just the kind of people that they are. Well, let's see. What kind of people are people who are anti-Trump? They're the kind of people that give reprisals towards those who, you know, who uh, uh, voted for him, uh, defend him, stand by his side. Another, uh, another such case comes from the Epic Times. Trump impeachment attorney canceled by law school says the civil rights law group. Ah, so now they're going after the attorney. Now, if it wasn't bad enough that Michael Vanderbeen, Vanderbeen, uh, one of his defense lawyers, um, was, uh, uh, had his house vandalized, um, the word traitor, uh, spray painted on his driveway. Now we have one, one of his other, um, 
attorneys canceled by a law school. I mean, how can you even do this? Let's see what the article says. An attorney who represented President Donald Trump during the recent impeachment trial says a law school canceled a civil rights law course he was going to teach. And he was suspended from a civil rights lawyer email discussion list. I was hoping to teach a civil rights course at a law school in the fall. We've been in talks about it, kind of planning it out. I wrote to them and I said, I want you to, I want you to know I'm going to be representing Donald Trump in the impeachment case. I don't know if that impacts I don't know if that impacts on your decision at all, David Schoen, one of the three attorneys who argued before the Senate told the Epic Times. And they said, you know, they appreciated my writing, and frankly, it would make some students and faculty uncomfortable, so I couldn't do it. That, that, was, that was sad for me because I really want to go more and more into teaching. I like doing that, Schoen said. Schoen, an Alabama-based lawyer recognized for his civil rights litigation, declined to name the school that canceled his course. He likewise declined to name the legal organization behind the email list that suspended him. They actually spent 48 hours discussing this with their board and so on, and they decided that they needed to suspend me from the list, Schoen said. It it's a very important one to me. It's very prominent civil rights lawyers and fine people. Schoen delivered an impassioned argument on the first day of the trial for, the, for why the Senate didn't have jurisdiction to try a former president. At the conclusion of his remarks, he appeared to be choking back tears as he read an 1849 poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow titled The Building of the Ship. Schoen told the Epic Times that he chose the poem and the quote from, the pres from President Abraham Lincoln that preceded it because he views the days of Lincoln as the cl closest parallel to the current division in the United States. I think we're in a very perilous, divided time. The election itself showed that, but I think all of the rhetoric shows it also, Schoen said. Schoen brought his children, age 15, age 15 to 25, into the process of preparing his impeachment trial remarks. His daughter was the one to suggest using Longfellow's poem. I wrote my remarks myself. I wanted to share them with the kids and I wanted their feedback. They were very helpful to me. One of my sons was with me at the impeachment trial, Schoen said. Schoen isn't the only attorney facing repercussions for defending the president. Attorney Michael Vanderveen said vandals broke the windows in his home and defaced the house with graffiti. Vanderveen has had to move his children to a secret location and hire armed guards to protect his home and workplace. Schoen said that he's used to he's used to threats after decades of practicing civil rights. When I lived in Alabama, I lived behind an electric fence with two German shepherds and I had to carry a gun every place I went. I faced many threats for different kinds of reasons over the years. But if you let that stop you, I suppose you're in the wrong business, Schoen said. Schoen received the Pro Bono Publico Award from the American Bar Association in 1995 for his civil rights work. The ABA handbook says he was recognized for his enormous contribution to bringing about change in schools, prisons, jails, foster care, police departments, and election ballot access in the South. The Senate acquitted Trump of the charge that he incited the mob 
that breached the Capitol on January 6th. Schoen said he spoke to the president after the acquittal. He said the president was very upbeat, very gratified. During the trial, Schoen spoke to Trump two or three times per day. He said the president was always very gracious, very supportive, and very much appreciated the presentations I made. Days after the acquittal, a top House Democrat and the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People sued Trump over the Capitol breach, accusing the president of planning a conspiracy to attack the Capitol. Schoen said the lawsuit is political theater. I don't think there's any merit to it. I think it's an abuse of the statute that it's based on, and I think it's just going to lead to further divisiveness, he said. Wowzers. And, you know, it's just, I'm going to say just real quick, it's a crime. Wowzers, that's pretty crazy. And, you know, I just got to say, it, it is a shame because, um, you know, retaliation or reprisal is is something that, you know, all Trump supporters faced throughout the last four to five years and even now. And, and even to the point where some people couldn't feel comfortable being open about showing their support for a president because it's not like they would just, you know, get like, uh, you know, someone talking to them badly or being rude. There were times when you were actually facing physical altercations because of your choice. And again, I, I would honestly blame this on the, uh, the legacy media, corporate news media, and all of the entertainment industry who did nothing but exacerbate the problem by all of these uh, false claims of racism and hate and, and everything that they could imagine to use against the president to ruin his image, to uh, spark uh, polarization and, and enmity with a man they don't even know. But but everyone who was on Trump's side uh, felt that. And, and the ones who were truly brave went out there with their Trump shirts on and, you know, talked them down if they had to. But uh, unfortunately, it was usually uh, consequences for people who were Trump supporters. Um, and that's just a crying shame. It shouldn't be like that in any any kind of political climate. But that is what we see. All right. Well, let's see what else we got in the news here for today. All right, we're going to follow that up with some immigration news today. We have some illegal aliens in the news. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I mean, no, we do, but I, I just use the word illegal alien because uh, for some reason, the left, liberals, Democrats, progressives, snowflakes, for some reason, they don't like the term illegal or alien, even though if they come to America improperly that would be an illegal entry hmm something to think about eh well let's see what we have going on here because it seems like the democrats have uh, uh now introduced a bill in regards to immigration and amnesty so let's see what it says this comes from the federalist democrats new immigration bill would grant amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants. Congressional Democrats, spurred on by the Biden administration, introduced a bill on Thursday that seeks to grant more than 11 million illegal immigration immigrants and 
eight-year pathway to citizenship. The U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021, introduced by Democrat Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey and Democrat Representative Linda Sanchez of California, will not only give people who illegally cross the border into the United States before January 1st, 2021, the opportunity for a five-year temporary status and then three-year citizenship waiting period, the bill, if passed, would also remove bans on people who previously illegally lived in the United States from re-entering, funnel billions of dollars into Central America for refugee programs, provide easier access for certain workers to immigrate to the United States, and replace the term alien with non-citizen in United States immigration laws. It makes a difference when you have a leadership that is willing to put real political capital on the table for this cause. They know this is for more. They know this is about more than undoing the damage of the last president or fixing a broken system. It's about building a better one, keeping families together, respecting human rights and addressing the root causes of migration, said Menendez. Okay, I have to pause right there because in my opinion, these people, their their idea ideas are so conflated about like, you know, uh, for example, the families being separated, respecting human rights. How about we respect the human rights of the people who are being trafficked across borders by coyotes and by the cartels and by mobs and by mafia. How about we respect those human rights first? How about we respect the human rights of the people who are being smuggled here illegally for whether they're drug mules, whether they're being sold for sex? Why don't we respect that first? Those human rights need to come first before you start talking about the human rights of a person who's fleeing a country for a better life and seeking asylum or refugee. Well, they should be going to the country that's right next door to them, not five countries down. Now, also in regards to this one, keeping families together, like how many times, Mr. Menendez, do we have to tell you that when you have a bunch of undocumented people coming across the border, children included, how can you discern that that is the child to the parent that is coming across the border? How can you discern that that child is not being kidnapped? How can you discern that that child has not been sent for some other motive? How can you discern that that child will be safe with the people that they're with if that's not their parent? That's, that's, I mean, these are, these are simple, simple things to understand, you know, anyways. So, and you know, this whole thing about fixing, um, a broken system, um, I mean, it was under Obama where they basically had a freeze on appointing judges in the southern states. And what did this do? Well, this only uh, this only held up the the, uh, the citizen citizenship process. It held up everything because you couldn't do it. And instead, what would they end up doing? They end up releasing uh, illegal immigrants into the United States of America on the hope that they would return for their day in court. 
Anyways, let's get back to the article. The bill is largely opposed by Republicans in both congressional chambers, but will most likely face a battle in the Senate where Democrats seem to lack the 10 Republican votes they need to pass the legislation without the filibuster stopping them. While Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is confident that lawmakers should break up the immigration bill into a piecemeal approach, prioritizing farm workers, people with temporary protected status, and deferred action for childhood arrivals, recipients for green cards, other Democrats have made it known that they are not willing to give up much ground to pass the legislation. Time and time again, we have compromised too much and capitulated too quickly to fringe voices, Menendez said. Others have floated using the reconciliation process, a budget tool, to pass the bill with a simple majority, most likely a tiebreaker voting a vote using Vice President Kamala Harris. This is also the plan to pass Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 spending bill. Shortly after his inauguration, President Joe Biden signed six executive orders related to immigration and border, most of them undoing former President Donald Trump's directives. Biden's orders reinstate DACA, allow illegal immigrants to be added to the United States census totals, and immediately ceased construction on the southern border wall. I tell you, President Biden has done more damage in one month to this country than... I don't know. They're all pretty bad, but that's that's pretty bad. Like, I thank goodness the border wall was almost finished before Biden was optically put into the presidential office. But um, I don't know. I mean, I think... I just, this, this, this topic is just too expansive. Let's dig more into what the Senate GOP says in regards to this, this article coming from Breitbart, Biden amnesty floods U.S. workforce during coronavirus crisis. So we don't even care about the coronavirus anymore. Do we, President Biden? No, because it's supposed to go underway um, while your administration is in office. And why is that? Because the coronavirus and the ensuing pandemic was planned. The coronavirus is real, but all of the outfall and all of the quagmire given to us by the media, um, given to us by um, Washington, D.C., and given to us by um, Fauci and his medical organizations, the WHO as well, um, they all planned this to hurt the Trump administration to make it look like he didn't know what he was doing and to make it look like he didn't know how to run a country. Um, it was a pandemic. All right, from Breitbart, Senate Republicans are lining up to oppose President Joe Biden's massive amnesty plan that would legalize between 11 and 22 million illegal aliens and increase legal immigration levels, all while more than 17 million Americans remain jobless. Clearly, you can see here, this is not about America first. Like, okay, all of you people who are bleeding hearts over refugees and stuff like that, like, I get it. Like, I, I would expect that if we're, um, you know, a free and the greatest country in America, in, in the world, that we would be able to do those things. But how can we fix someone else's house when our house is broken is basically all I have to say to that. 17 million Americans have no jobs, but we want to bring in um, uh, more legal immigrants to, to thereby, what, take 
the ability for Americans to have jobs? We'll see how that goes. On Thursday, Senator Bob Menendez introduced Biden's amnesty plan to Congress, seeking to hugely inflate the United States' labor at a time when the nation faces a mass unemployment crisis. The plan, among other things, would put nearly all illegal aliens in the United States on an eight-year path to citizenship, provide four billion dollars in foreign aid to Central America. Four billion dollars is going to Central America. Six hundred dollars is going to the American people for for COVID. Four billion dollars. It would also expedite green cards for foreign relatives, otherwise known as chain migration. So if you're here and you have a relative in another country, they get green cards quicker than people who've been waiting in line forever. Potentially add 52 million foreign-born residents into the United States population. So 52 million people who are not, uh, who are not legally here, um, who were born foreign, would suddenly become United States citizens, adding 52 million people to our population. Um, eliminate per-country caps, ensuring India monopolizes employment green cards. Increase the diversity increase the diversity visa lottery program where visas are given out randomly provide green cards to foreign students who graduate in advanced stem fields bring already deported illegal aliens back to the united states to provide them amnesty so if they were deported and keep in mind there were more deportations when trump was in office because obviously he was giving more funds to ice he was giving him more people he was giving him more personnel he was giving him more judges all those people all that was happening right but the ones that trump went after the people who got deported the illegal aliens that were deported were the ones that had warrants were the ones that had outstanding crimes were the criminals were the drug dealers were the ms13 members were the people who actually did those bad things those were the ones that had priority trust me people i still know a lot of good hard-working individuals that are here illegally that did not get deported So keep that in mind. Senator Tom Cotton, Republican of Arkansas, called the plan a disaster. It would devastate our economy by flooding our workforce with millions of new workers during a pandemic, Cotton said. And it does nothing to secure our borders, yet grants mass amnesty and welfare benefits even voting rights to over 11 million people who came here illegally. It's a non-starter. Likewise, Senator Bill Haggerty, Republican of Tennessee, said the plan will encourage more illegal immigration and reduce opportunities for American workers during a pandemic-induced recession when so many are already struggling to find jobs. Why are we placing the interests of non-citizens over the interests of Americans? Haggerty asked in a statement. Senator Mike Braun, Republican of Indiana, said he is disappointed with Biden's executive orders to undo the America First immigration agenda that sought to boost U.S. wages by reducing overall immigration. Between halting construction of the wall on our southern border and a partisan immigration proposal that offers American citizenship to illegal immigrants, it's clear Joe Biden is not serious about fixing our broken immigration system that rewards illegal behavior. Uh, Let's see here. Senator Marco Rubio. Uh 
Okay. Senator Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, um, his spokesperson pointed to the lawmaker's previous statement on Biden's plan, where he said Congress should prioritize the Chinese coronavirus crisis, reaching full reaching full employment for Americans and taking on China's global dominance before negotiating an immigration deal, Rubio said weeks ago. America should always welcome immigrants who want to become Americans, but we need laws that decide who and how many people can come here, and those laws must be followed and enforced. There are many issues I think we can work cooperatively with President-elect Biden, but a blanket amnesty for people who are here unlawfully is not going to be one of them. In the House, Representative Mo Brooks, Republican of Alabama, said the economic result of granting amnesty and citizenship to illegal aliens is horrific for American citizens. American workers will be pummeled as they suffer from the loss of jobs and suppressed wages, Brooks said. American taxpayers will be further burdened in as much as households with illegal aliens in them are far more likely to be on welfare than are households without illegal aliens in them. American workers are already suffering the effects of tsunamis of cheap foreign labor who suppress American worker wages and take the jobs of Americans. To pass the Senate, Biden's amnesty plan would need to would need the support of at least 10 Senate Republicans, as well as every Senate Democrat and those who caucus with Democrats. While a number of Senate Democrats remain silent on the plan, many have indicated in recent votes where they stand on the issue. In the first week of February, eight Senate Democrats, including Kristen Sinema, Democrat of Arizona, Mark Kelly, Democrat of Arizona, Debbie Stabenow, Democrat of Michigan, Gary Peters, Democrat of Michigan, John Hickenlooper, Democrat of Colorado, Maggie Hassan, Democrat of New Hampshire, John Tester, Democrat of Montana, and Joe Mankin, Democrat of West Virginia, voted with Senate Republicans to block giving stimulus checks to illegal aliens. The White House, though, has downplayed the plan's potential lack of support among swing state Democrats who face tough re-elections in 2022 and 2024. About 28 vulnerable House Democrats, for instance, have stayed mostly quiet on whether they would support or oppose the plan. All right, so we see here uh, there's a lot of opposition to this. Uh, Republicans notwithstanding... Uh, even some Democrats were kind of against it. But yeah, their seats are going to be up for uh, um, re-election coming up 22-2024. So they have a lot of things to think about there if they want to maintain their seat of power. Because that's basically what it boils down to with a lot of these people. It's about being and having the power. And wrapping up the immigration headlines this uh, this week or today, um, here's a fun one. Uh, so, like I said, you have Democrats who have obviously shown that they will not support illegal aliens getting, you know, COVID relief checks. And then you have this whole amnesty thing going forward. Well, how about this? This story comes from the Gateway Pundit. And... 
It talks about how in Texas, there is a certain mayor who is pleading with Joe Biden to stop the release of illegal aliens into a city. So this is already happening. They already started releasing people from the um, from their holding. They already started releasing them and letting them back into the states. I mean, th- this has already happened under Joe Biden. It probably happened the day after he was elected. Um, the article, Democrat Mayor of Texas Border Town urgently begs Joe Biden to halt the release of illegal aliens into his city says um, a Democrat mayor of the Texas border town pleaded with Biden administration to stop the release of legal aliens. Earlier this month, Joe Biden announced plans to allow at least 25,000 migrants seeking asylum uh, forced to wait in Mexico under Trump's Remain in Mexico program into the United States while their immigration cases make it through the legal system. So this is that catch and release again. Trump had this Remain in Mexico program where if you try to get into America, you had to stay in Mexico until your legal case was um, was was a. Uh, was uh, um, covered. But now he's going to go ahead and say 25,000 migrants who've been waiting on the other side of the border, go ahead and come on in, go into the United States, go do whatever you want, you know, uh, um, plant your seeds and become many. And in five years, we'll see you for the case if you show up. Illegal aliens began flooding towns in Texas and California this week. Joe Biden also ordered ICE to release all illegal aliens from custody. City of Del Rio Mayor, uh, City of Del Rio Mayor Bruno Lozano urgently begged Biden to halt all measures regarding the release of immigrants awaiting court dates. Otherwise, he will use his powers under the emergency declaration to refuse the entry of migrants into his cities. We do not have the resources available to house and accommodate these migrants within our community, Lozano said in a message, uh, a video message to Biden. So that was pretty interesting. Um, and, and I saw the video and he was like, please stop, stop allowing these people in. And, and of course, because they don't have the resources for that type of um, influx of people into their town. Haven't been to Del Rio in years, but I had some pasole there one time. And I could tell you, my best friend's mom makes it a whole lot better. All right. Let's see. Um, oh, well, looks like we have one more immigration story today. Man, I tell you, those illegals surely are in the news today. Um, ICE offers, ICE officers will need to ask permission before arresting many illegals. So this under Biden also. So now they have to go over there and they have to kind of like ask them, hey, you know, uh, instead of just acting, it says Biden's DHS is putting the squeeze on ICE by forcing them to prioritize who they arrest and mandating they request permission before arresting anyone outside very narrow parameters. From Fox News, immigration and customs enforcement officers will need pre-approval from managers to arrest some illegal immigrants if they do not fall into very narrow categories due to new guidance released Thursday by the Biden administration. Under the new guidance from the Biden administration, ICE would focus on three categories of immigrants. Those who pose a threat to national security, those who have crossed the border 
border since November 1st, and those who committed aggravated felonies. The guidance is temporary, lasting three months until the Department of Homeland Security can issue further guidance. Officials said the guidance does not explicitly prevent anyone from being arrested or deported. Instead, it directs resources at certain targets. However, field officers seeking to arrest someone outside of those three categories would need approval from their chain of command. By focusing our limited resources on cases that present threats to national security, border security, and public safety, our agency will more ably and effectively execute its law enforcement mission, ICE Acting Director Acting Director Tay Johnson said in a statement. Like every law enforcement agency at the local, state, and federal level, we must prioritize our efforts to achieve the greatest security and safety impact. The new guidance also requires ICE to submit weekly arrest reports to DHS Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The guidelines also give the agency room to let illegal immigrants stay in the country, with officers told to consider factors such as ties in the, to the community and personal circumstances, including those who have a serious physical or mental illness. Biden's DHS had sought to impose a 100-day moratorium on deportations, but had been blocked by a federal judge due to a lawsuit by Texas. While the new guidance limits agents, it is a far cry from the radical measure. But it is the latest move to liberalize the U.S. approach to illegal immigration from the tougher approach under President Donald Trump. On Thursday, congressional Democrats unveiled a bill backed by Biden that would grant a pathway to citizenship for millions of illegal immigrants. As soon as the courts told Biden he couldn't halt, he could not halt deportations. Um, we knew this would happen. The Biden administration uh, was going to go around the court using the old Obama trick of prioritization as an excuse to stop deportations. So essentially, ICE cannot arrest and deport any illegals in this country for the next three months who came here illegally before November 1st and are not a violent criminal or a national security threat. All right. So that article, uh, the meat, the the lead I got from the right scoop and then the meat came from Fox News. But that's a uh, that's a uh, pretty interesting news there. I mean, here you see uh, I could only expect things to get um, I could only expect things to get a little worse um, if these were to continue happening. But I mean, again, for me, my main concern is the human trafficking, the child sex trafficking, the drug mules. Those, for me personally, are my concerns. Um, And I just see those things getting increasingly worse if Biden is allowed to stay in office. Indeed, if we don't turn that back around um, and, and get it. Because, I mean, I know I'm thinking like, hey, jobs, you know, jobs are important. They're, like it said, 17 million Americans without jobs right now. But the bigger fish for me right now to fry would be the human trafficking and the child sex trafficking. And that has gone down. That went down 80 to 90 percent from the southern border under President Trump with the building of his wall.
Okay, now let's get into some international news. We're going to talk about China, China, China first because <clears throat> the communist the communist country of China and its government and its leaders need to stay in the news because this is something that we should seriously oppose. I mean, I honestly think communism was just someone that said, I want to be a dictator. I want to tell everyone what to do and I want to control everything. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up a government where the government does that just for you. And because, uh, you know, it's a government and it's a type of government, no one can say anything to us about killing people, taking away rights, human rights. I don't know. They're all Satanists, in my opinion. We had China exactly where we wanted them, Trump says, in criticizing Biden's policy. This article from the Epic Times Former President Donald Trump on February 17th expressed dismay at the Biden administration's stance toward China, pointing to the Biden's family's business ties with the regime in Beijing. When asked about President Joe Biden's comments on February 16th that appeared to repeat Chinese Communist Party talking points used to justify the government's repression of the Uyghur Muslims in Jiangjing, Trump noted that the controversy surrounding Biden's son, Hunter, and his dealings with China. His family's involved with the Chinese, certainly, a long time and a lot of money, Trump said in an interview with Newsmax. The whole thing is ridiculous. We had China exactly where we wanted them. Hunter Biden attracted scrutiny during last year's election season after a former business partner disclosed to media outlets a trove of text messages, some of which demonstrated his close ties to a Chinese billionaire. Other messages suggested Joe Biden was aware of his son's business activity, although candidate Biden denied knowledge of his son's dealings. The revelations prompted concern about foreign influence on U.S. policy. Pause. So just a quick refresher for those of you who don't know or don't remember. Um, one of Hunter Biden's associates went on the Tucker Carlson show and disclosed all of this information. This is where we got the text that Joe Biden was referred to as the big guy who was getting like what? A 20% cut off of whatever money they were getting from Ukraine or China. And then when they uh, found out, the, um, the media knew about this, all of a sudden the big guy was getting nothing but his brother went up 10 to 20% more on his share of the cut. Yeah, that was something that was going on there. Um, so yeah, big guy there that was disclosed. And um, yeah, he, his son has bi uh, business dealings there. Back to the article, federal investigators are currently probing Hunter Biden's tax affairs, including reportedly his business dealings with China. While he also holds a stake in a Chinese private equity firm, the White House press secretary said earlier this month that the younger Biden has been working to unwind his investment. During the final year of Trump's presidency, the administration escalated its pushback on an array of threats posed by the CCP. For example, it imposed sanctions on Chinese officials over rights abuses in Xiangcheng and Hong Kong, banned U.S. investment in China company, Chinese companies that aid the military, and rallied allies to exclude China, Chinese tech giants Huawei, 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 I'm sorry, I keep pronouncing that wrong, <laughs> from their 5G mobile networks. Huawei, 
there we go. Trump's remarks came a day after Biden, during a CNN town hall event, said that he brought up with Chinese leader Xi Jinping the regime's abuses in Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and Taiwan during a two-hour phone call. He said his counterpart was focused on maintaining a united, tightly controlled China, which means anyone that they want to control is under their boot, united, and tightly controlled. Biden said he pointed out to Xi that no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. He gets it. Culturally, there are different norms in each country and their leaders are expected to follow. So who cares about the, uh, the uh, human rights violations that are going on there, right? Illegitimate Joe, who cares about that? The fact of the matter is we have certain norms that we have to uphold certain values. Otherwise, I mean, I'm sure Biden would have us all under his boot as well. Uh, just not the boot of the broken ankle because, you know, well, I mean, it's probably not as strong as it used to be. The president's comments about different norms attracted criticisms from Republicans and rights activists who accused him of lending legitimacy to the CCP's right, rights abuses in Xinjiang, where more than a million Uyghurs are currently detained in concentration camps. Former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo designated the atrocities a genocide, a move that Biden officials have expressed agreement with. Responding to those remarks, Pompeo said Biden was echoing Chinese propaganda. That language, that it's just a set of different norms, that's the Chinese propaganda line. They want you to think this is just a quiet nation that may have a little bit of, dif of a different system, Pompeo said on Fox Business. The truth of the matter is they are trying to wipe out an entire people, he said. The National Republican Senatorial Committee said the president's comments indicated that his stance is all talk and no action. Joe Biden's message to Xi was clear. I have to criticize you publicly, but will work with you privately. NRSC spokeswoman Priscilla Ivasco said in a February 17th statement. But in doing so, he rationalized Xi Jinping's human rights abuses in Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the genocide against the Uyghurs. Biden also said during the event that the Chinese regime would face repercussions over its human rights violations. Top officials in the Biden administration have broadly indicated that the United States would continue taking a tough line toward the CCP and seek to work with allies to achieve this. The White House is reviewing Trump-era China policies and has yet to announce concrete plans on how to deal with the regime. Meanwhile, the Chinese regime has called on the new administration to reset the United States' approach to China and warned it not to interfere in its internal affairs, including Xinjiang, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. Yeah, Xi Jinping does not want us to mess with them, and he's, he's taking a hard line. Like He's trying to do some stuff over there. But uh, keeping China in focus... Let's talk about the new Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, and what he's doing about China. Um, let's see, Newsmax reports, Blinken rallies quad democracies to counter assertive China. New Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has held his first virtual meeting since President Joe Biden's election with counterparts from Japan, India, and Australia, showing support for the so-called Quad grouping that seeks to counter an increasingly assertive China in the Indo-Pacific. 
The talks held Thursday included discussions on the priority of strengthening Democrat resilience in the broader region, Blinken spokesperson Ned Price said in a statement. The partners also pledged to strengthen cooperation on advancing a free and open Indo-Pacific region, including support for freedom of navigation and territorial integrity. The meeting signals the Quad, revived in 2017 as a buffer against Beijing, remains a strong focus uh, for the four nations, which individually have had conflicts with China in recent years. They vowed to hold a ministerial-level Quad meeting at least once a year, as well as regular talks at senior and working levels. The Quad grouping, which became elevated under the Trump administration, has been admonished by China as a clique that could stoke a new Cold War. While some observers had anticipated a rationing down of United States-China tensions under Biden, the first few weeks of his administration have not given any indication of a softening of security policies in Asia. After the meeting, the foreign ministers of all four nations issued statements lauding progress in their discussions. Japanese Foreign Minister Toshimitsu Motegi said they had welcomed the fact that this meeting was realized in the early days of the Biden administration. Motegi also expressed serious concern about China's Coast Guard law, and the four ministers pledged to oppose unilateral and forceful attempts to change the status quo in the East and South China Sea, according to the statement. Indian Foreign Minister Subramanyam Jaik Shankar said the meeting noted that the Indo-Pacific concept had gathered growing international support, including in Europe. In her, for- in her statement, Australia Foreign Prime Minister... I apologize. Australia Foreign Minister... Maurice Payne said the Quad is a key pillar of Australia's international agenda, bringing together four like-minded democracies committed to respecting and upholding international rules and obligations. Along with security, the partners addressed cooperation on the response to the pandemic and tackling climate change. The ministers also discussed countering disinformation, counterterrorism, maritime security, and the urgent need to restore the democratically elected government in Myanmar, according to Blinken's statement. A Blinken. And of course, I'm talking about Antony Blinken, not Abe Lincoln, uh, Secretary of State. And that's uh, kind of what he's trying to do over there on China. So, I mean... The Trump administration made it glaringly obvious how bad the CCP is. Um, We've had a lot of different foreign entanglements um, throughout the years, but President Trump was the one who managed to create peace, to untangle, and to cause no new wars. Well, I think of all of the countries during the Trump administration, we probably heard less in regards to uh, a country like Iran than we did say during the Obama administration. Um, Well, Iran is back in the news and uh, Mr. A. Blinken has something to say about that too, because guess what? Even though Iran just, you know, bombed a United States consulate over there in Iran, even though one of the United States contractors was killed, Even though the United States does not negotiate with terrorists, 
Joe Biden is ready to start negotiations with terrorists. This article from Breitbart, Iran deal part two. Blinken tells Europeans Biden ready to negotiate with Tehran. The United States is ready to begin negotiating with Iran in an attempt to reestablish the 2015 nuclear deal or something like it. Secretary of State Antony Blinken relayed to counterparts Thursday in a video conference call with E3, France, Germany, and the United Kingdom. According to a report by Axios, the US and the E3 stress that Iran must return to full compliance with commitments under the nuclear deal. Blinken reiterated that if Iran resumes strict compliance with its obligations, the United States will do the same, though the United States' commitments were unspecified. The Allies also asked Iran to halt implementation of the additional protocol of the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Treaty starting February 23rd, which would reduce Iran's cooperation with the UN inspectors suspending their permission to conduct unannounced visits to Iran's nuclear sites. Concern was also expressed at Iran's increased production of 20% enriched uranium and uranium metal, both violations under the 2015 deal. In response to the United States and E3, Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif suggested, instead of putting onus on Iran, they must abide by own commitments and demand an end to Trump's legacy of economic terrorism against Iran. More revealing is the Biden administration's concurrence with European leaders to hold more negotiations on the Iran problem with Russia and China's foreign ministers, according to the conference call. So, uh, I mean, you might say, yes, this is good. Like, we're going to start doing um, deals with Iran again involving, you know, you know, nuclear arms and stuff. But... If we remember Iran deal part one, this is the one where um, President Obama had a nuclear treaty with them and it cost us billions of dollars. And in addition to that, those billions of dollars were given to the Iranian government. And this is one point seven billion dollars given to the Iranian government on Pallets, yes, pallets of cash sent in the middle of the night to Iran. And since then, Iran has used that money to spread terror in the region. In fact, the money has been traced back to what Obama gave Iran um, when going through uh, certain terror cells and, and finding where that money went off to. So... That's just some more stuff to think about. We'll see how that story develops in Iran with the United States. And uh, we will keep you posted. A couple more stories to wrap up this session of the Sea Reports. Again, thanks for joining us if you've been with us. And make sure you check us out at qandaholespodcast.com uh, where we will be live on Saturday with the Q&A Holes Podcast on Twitch. 
Although it seems like if you're familiar with Q&A holes, uh, we seem to have a lot of technical difficulties from time to time. Can't understand if uh, we're just, uh, you know, user error or if we're over some target that maybe someone out there doesn't want you to know about. All right. Uh, last international story for the session. Let's talk about Indonesia. Indonesia and the COVID vaccine. What's going on over there? Zero Hedge reports Indonesia moves to punish citizens who refuse COVID vaccine. In a uniquely heavy-handed move, the Indonesian government is threatening to punish citizens who refuse to get the COVID-19 vaccine as the massive island nation, one of the world's most populous, pushes one of the most aggressive vaccination campaigns in the world. According to Reuters, Indonesia's capital, Jakarta, is threatening residents with fines of up to 5 million rupiah, about $360, for anyone refusing a jab an unusually stiff penalty aimed at guaranteeing compliance with new regulations calling for compulsory vaccinations. In addition to the fines, the government is threatening to withhold social aid. Deputy Jakarta Governor Ahmed Risa Patria said city authorities were merely following rules and such sanctions were a last resort in Jakarta, which accounts for being about a quarter of the archipelago nation's more than 1.2 million coronavirus infections. If you reject it, there are two things. Social, social aid will not be given and a fine, Risa told reporters. For those who haven't been following it, Indonesia is fighting one of Asia's largest and most stubborn COVID outbreaks. The country aims to inoculate 181.5 million people of its 270 million people within 15 months under a vaccination program that started last month. New cases have actually inched higher in Indonesia over the past week, while most of the world has seen a continuous decline. Indonesia announced a presidential order earlier this month stipulating anyone who refuses vaccines could be denied social assistance or government services or made to pay a fine. The penalty would be determined by regional health agencies or by local governments. In a December survey, pollster Saiful Mujani Research and Consulting found that only 37% of 1.2 thousand respondents were willing to be vaccinated. 40% were undecided and 17% would refuse across Indonesia. Though we imagine these new requirements might change that. All right. Can people be conscientious objectors in Indonesia? I don't know, but my body, my right. And if uh, I say I don't want that in my body, it's not going to go. All right. And bring it back stateside, back home. Some good news to round out the week on the Sea Report. Outstanding, says the Gateway Pundit. West Virginia County becomes Second Amendment Sanctuary. Jefferson County, West Virginia is now a Second Amendment Sanctuary. The resolution passed with an overwhelming 4-0 vote on Thursday evening. Yesterday, I made a post letting the citizens of Jefferson County know that a resolution will be brought to the table to vote in favor of a Jefferson County becoming a Second Amendment Sanctuary County for law-abiding citizens, Jefferson County Commissioner Trisha Jackson wrote on Facebook. I am pleased to announce that the resolution passed overwhelmingly 
at 4-0, Commissioner Tab abstained from voting. The evening before the vote, Jackson wrote, As your county commissioner, I recognize the Second Amendment and fully support it. I will use my due diligence to protect your God-given rights. As a sanctuary county, local law enforcement will not use any resources to enforce any unconstitutional gun laws. Um, the resolution had wide support throughout the county, which is solidly red. And in West Virginia, 33 out of 55 counties, three cities and three towns have adopted Second Amendment sanctuaries or other pro-Second Amendment resolutions. So it looks like uh, some of our CUNA holes pod, uh, podcast staff here, here, where where we need to be, Texas and uh, West Virginia among other places that will remain undisclosed. But it's good to hear that, um, you know, because even West Virginia and Texas go hand in hand with like a secession and stuff like that. So we will see what happens because um, it seems like some states are still strong on it. And I know um, I know the uh, governor of Texas had said that uh, Texas would most likely become a second Second Amendment sanctuary state state as well if necessary the Biden administration will do nothing to impede our gun rights and our God-given rights to self-protection and self-defense. All right, that wraps up another edition of the Sea Report from Q&A Holes Podcast. I hope you guys had a great afternoon and a great week. We will see you again next week on the Sea Report. Be sure, sure to tune in to Q&A Holes Podcast Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. If not, go to Q&A Holes Podcast for more details. That's qnaholespodcast.com because we also, uh, we also um, simulcast our Twitch program. So if it's not on Twitch, we're always on Spreaker. You can always get us on the podcast side if you don't get us on the visual side. But until next time, y'all guys have a great week. Stay safe and enjoy your weekend. This is Mr. C signing out.